This podcast is brought to you by Mad Company, a nonprofit theater company based out of New York City. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of One Hail of a Conversation. My name is James <laughs> Hale. I am your once and future host for this podcast. I have the remarkable pleasure of being able to sit here in our new recording setup um, with my good friend, Marco Voli. Hello, Marco. Hey. How's hey. it going? It's good, man. I'm happy to be here. This setup is super comfortable. Thank you. Yeah, we're since you can't see us because it's a podcast, we are on a couch now instead of relatively uncomfortable chairs. Um, <laughs> so right away, we see improvement. Score. Score. So, Marco, we met at Lambda. Um, you were on the two-year MFA program. Yeah. Um, my one year there was your first year there. Mm-hmm. Um, so you really got the brunt of COVID. Yeah. Um, I mean, kind of, right? Because... It's sort of COVID happened in our my third term. And so it was like third term, fourth term okay. were, were pretty uh, remote, you know? Sure. Um, I, actually, I actually moved back um, for a second and stayed at a friend's house in Seattle. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was doing, it was weird hours, right? Because I was sort of keeping up with with London time in uh, PST. Um, But honestly, like, I have a, my opinion on it is, I actually feel really lucky that it happened when it happened. Okay. Because most of my training, like the training part of the two-year MFA course was done. Um, And it was before the structural changes happened at Lambda. So, (laughs) yeah. A whole other conversation. A whole other conversation, absolutely. (laughs) But I still got, like, so much in-person time with like really, really, really incredible professors. So I guess I'm, you know, I'm probably glass half fulling it. Sure. But yeah, no, I mean, I, I actually felt, you know, while it, it sucked to have that disruption, the time that I had there was still so valuable. Right. And I sort of went, you know, well, this is happening. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than my acting training. <laughs> right. right. It, I have no control. Yeah. And, you know, like it was a pandemic that happened. It affected all of our lives. And, you know, we've, we've gotten ill we've lost loved ones in comparison to that I you know it was like well you know if my education gets slightly altered in the grand scheme of things right. it's nothing for me to to, to you know, complain too much about it's oh, um, a it's a very enlightened view to take <laughs> I, I was just, the only enlightened view you get <laughs> well fair. I, I just i was just overcome with rage the whole time um but that's just me we met at lambda you are originally from nicaragua i am you, I, I believe this is correct. You were living in Seattle before Lambda. Is that where you grew up? Is that yeah, where so you I, consider you're from? Like, Kind of. Um, so I was born in Managua, Nicaragua, but then my family um, moved to a finca, which is sort of like a large plot of land um, okay. where my father grew tobacco. But we moved to... Oh, wow. The to move to Seattle at seven, um, a hurricane had hit and just really destroyed my dad's crop. And wow. he had borrowed some money from some people who weren't going to be very enlightened or understanding. Um, so we, we kind of had to flee. But then, you know, eventually my my dad was able to, to pay them back. And mm-hmm. I, I sort of went and visited Nicaragua, uh, you, know, once, you know, once or twice a year to see my sister and family until I was about 11. I'm not sure what happened then, but it just got a little more complicated. 
Sure. Your your sister and family were still in Nicaragua. They your sister didn't go with you, or was she older? Or? So my dad and my brother they left first, um, because my brother at the time was twenty, and it it sort of you know felt like if anybody was going to be targeted, it would be my dad or my brother. Um, where I was I was just a kid. Sure. You know I was um, I was six when they left, seven when I left, and. Yeah. Uh, then my my mom and I hung out in Jalapa, um, which is a town where where we had our house. Uh, and then we and then we left and, and kind of met them once they had landed and found jobs right. and a place to live, established themselves. Sure. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But then yeah, I grew up in Seattle. Um, so I, I guess like I, I consider myself from Nicaragua and I am Nicaraguan, but I also consider myself white American because sure. you know I don't I don't have an accent right. and. I went, you know, I did most of my primary education and high right. school and everything, uh, and even my undergrad in Seattle. So, yeah, I do have, like, a attachment to being a, a Seattleite. Sure. Pacific Some pride there. Yeah. Excellent. You know, flannels and Doc Martens. <laughs> and, yeah, absolutely. Sure. Perfect. Yeah, so you got your, your BFA from Cornish College of the Arts. I did. The BFA in original works. Hands. Hens? Wait, really? Hens? <laughs> no, we just the Cornish made that hens. Up. I don't actually think. I, oh my god! I wish that were true. That would be my new favorite mascot instantly. Uh, it could be. I, <laughs> you have to fact check it. We just called it that. That's amazing. Um, um, BFA in original works. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen someone else that I talked to recently. Um, Might have been Mick. Also got a BFA in original works, or maybe Helena. I don't remember. Just walk me through the differences between a BFA in like fine arts in theater and a BFA in specifically original works. What does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of cool. So the way Cornish works is that it's, it has, it's a, it's a full on art school. So like, you know, there's, there's people who are studying music, who are studying fine art, who are studying design, dance, um, production design, Mm -hmm. film, et cetera. Um, And in the theater part of that program, uh, the first two years are pretty homogenous. Right. You kind of take every, you know, a lot of the basics. Right, your um, core curriculum, whatever, yeah. Exactly, yeah. It's a four-year program. On your third year, you get to kind of pick a route. And the the sort of straight acting route is, is one way to go. Then you had the musical theater route, right. which was a very different curriculum. <laughs> yeah. And then you had the original works route, which was kind of cool because it was everything that the straight acting route did and on top of that you took classes in directing and classes in playwriting wow okay. so it yeah it definitely added on quite a lot you know um pretty busy years i think there was just the only thing that was different is that there was one time where the straight acting course did a play and then the original works course we uh we wrote and then handed off our writing to somebody directed somebody else's writing like a short 15 okay. minute kind of one act sure um so we wrote something somebody directed it we directed something that somebody else wrote and then we also acted in whatever we were cast in right um and that was a really cool experience yeah and i think for me just the the concept of having a more uh holistic understanding mm-hmm. especially like in theater i wasn't thinking about film at that time then if i'm being honest i'm I was really, really just nerding out on theater. Sure. And so the idea of like, you know, reading books and understanding what it means to direct something for the stage, how does directing 
you know, influence what audiences ultimately see. Obviously, that's huge. Right. But to have a more in-depth and practiced understanding of that was really important to me. And I also just, you know, I, I love writing. I still do. And the for that to be fit into my schedule felt like a really good structure for yeah, me. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously you... Going to Lambda for the MFA and as a, a working actor, now you definitely pursued the acting side of all those experiences. Was was there ever yeah. a time that you thought I actually want to move more into directing? Do you do you envision yourself one day moving towards directing, writing, Maybe. producing any of that? Yeah. So I, I I started a theater company with some friends um, in Seattle back in the day called the Core Ensemble. Very where cool. I, I'd written a couple of shows for. And I actually, you know, I wrote this 30-minute uh, multimedia one act. Um, okay. And, and directed that and, and produced that. And it was a super valuable experience. Yeah. Um, while, I, while I love directing and, you know, there is there's so much creative specificity that you could have on a show when you're the director, right? You can really craft a vision and work with your different designers and your actors right. and your different performers and in whatever way that means. And you can really, really shape and build something to to your tastes. While right. it's collaborative, it is one of the, I think, most definitive sort of positions in that art form. It's also just a lot of like leadership. And I love just being able to kind of do my job and get lost in it. Right. And, you know, be sort of playful with it and 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 silly with it and, and neurotic with it if that's what it calls for sure and i think that in directing you have to compose yourself in a different way because the job there's so many more people who are relying on you yeah to also be mediator and to have a really clear head and i think as an actor you have to behave yourself with professionalism but you can really be focused and idiosyncratic on onto the the needs of of that one particular job. Absolutely. And that sort of that uh you know going deeper into that versus having the what's the word I'm looking for uh you know a sort of larger point of view. Right. The the wider the wider viewpoint. Yeah. Sure. It's that just felt more that called me more. Absolutely. Um and I also found work so I was like this is great. You know? Right. Yeah. I, I think that's something that we don't talk about enough, especially in, as I talk to some actors, they are hyper-focused on becoming the best actor that they can be, actor full stop, which at a certain level is admirable. You know what you want to do, you know what you're called to do, but I think one of the benefits of a liberal education, a BFA in fine arts, is that you often are exposed to these other sides of largely theater, but some programs do go into to film or other other media it's it's such an interesting thing like like all i think like every actor wants to be the best actor that they can be right right like, what does that mean though right. <laughs> you know what sure, i mean because a... you know it, you can you can practice a certain set of skills or a certain technique or build a certain taste but like you can only really be the best actor for whatever role you're playing at that time sure you can do the best job with the this material that you can do yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I guess you know. I'm sure. I'm sure Daniel Day Lewis would be great in a buddy comedy with, with, you know. <laughs> but like Jack Black is gonna be right amazing at that, That's, right? Right. But also, we don't necessarily. I'm not sure if Jack Black could bring what, what Daniel Day Lewis brought to There Will Be Blood. You I know? would love <laughs> to see a Jack Black Lincoln. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That would be incredible. Someone make that, please. 
I, I just think there's so much value in an actor or any creative being able to step into another role, mm-hmm. even if it's briefly, even if it's not necessarily a very fun experience. I know for myself, uh, moving more into like a producing role with Mad Company that I still feel myself as an actor first and foremost, but having now gotten so much experience with kind of every other part of the creative process, I don't know that it's made me a more skilled actor my accents aren't any better. My physical body isn't more expressive because of the production that I've done, but I'm a much better employee. I'm a much better Mm -hmm. artist. Um, I understand the medium of theater and everything else that we've worked in so much better. Mm -hmm. And that I think is still super valuable. So when I hear an actor or someone who who moves to the city and just starts taking acting classes, wants to be an actor, I always think that's great and you totally need to do that, but you also need to immerse yourself into everything else because it's so much bigger than just your role yeah. within it. Um, and moving around to all the different parts that make art happen gives you a full appreciation of what it is that we actually do, I think. Yeah. Alan Rickman has a really uh, great quote about that where he's talking about like advice to young actors. Okay. And, you know, the, the I, I'm not going to, this is not a quote. Because <laughs> I can't remember word <laughs> right. for word. Paraphrasing. But, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, essentially he's like, you know, he tells, he told his young actors who were asking him for advice, like, you know, make sure to forget about acting here and there as well, mm-hmm. because it's to be an actor, a lot of what it is beyond the craft of it is your cumulative experience as mm. a human being, right? The lived-in specificity of your perspective. And I think I think that's really true. And, you know, being involved in other elements of what it takes to make a production or make a film are going to give a very, very, you know, much more specific to the task understanding of what goes into that. But it also just allows you to see things in different ways and gives Absolutely. you new experiences that you're then immediately correlating to to what you do. Right. Right? Um, so everybody should do it. I think everybody should give, give it a shot. <laughs> do everything. Yeah. Do everything. Yeah. Do everything. Um, <laughs> what? So you gra- <laughs> do, do it all. That's our advice on this podcast. No. <laughs> um, so what year is it? It's 2023. You graduated 2021. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did our showcase together. Um, you got signed out of showcase. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in the last couple of years, you've done a decent amount of work. Yeah. What, uh, what, I don't know how I'm phrasing this question, but how, <laughs> how has your experience been just as an, an acting gun for hire? You've, you've been several different stages all around. You've been in these kind of random shows. How, yeah. how is the experience of actually working? been uh, compared to all the training that we have in the I mean, I mean great um on like the most basic level it's nice to get paid to do what you do and sure. instead of paying <laughs> to do what you do yeah. uh, but no but it's been really it's been really incredible i i really feel just super fortunate um especially because you know I, my, my wife works remotely so mm. she's been able to kind of join me through all of that, when you're freelancing in the theater, you often will have to travel places, right? So um, the last three shows, I traveled to Seattle, I traveled to Florida, I traveled to Minneapolis, which was also like a, you know, kind of when you're working on a project, like 
you you have like the text and the demands of that project but then for like your own work to be in a new environment is just so incredible because mm-hmm. you're going to get different stimuluses in just your day-to-day life that are going to impact whatever you put into that and that feels like a really great way to break any like habits or any ideas of what i have mm-hmm. about a role before i get there and then once i get there it's like you know a bunch of new people a totally new place right um there's just a lot of different things to contend with. And I think no matter what, like subconsciously, that is going to seep into your work. You know, when I when I did um, Native Gardens in Florida, yep. I I was in this like townhome and the company gave me a car and I was like, oh, like, um, you know, I went from uh, before that I, I was I was bartending in New York. And, and that's a very different lifestyle bartending in Manhattan to yeah. working on a theater. The daily project. experience is yeah. vastly different between. Yeah. And the character I played is quite a suburban character um pablo he's like he's a lawyer newly married he's he's about to have a kid and i sort of you know would uh would get into my car in the morning and you know kiss my wife goodbye after making her breakfast i'd go to work i'd go to rehearsals right and then i'd stop by the grocery store on my way back home uh so i can i can uh, make hand a dinner and and i was like but i'm living in a much more suburban way right right now than i would be if i was saying doing this show off broadway right yeah and that element of it, I found really fascinating because it helped me really like ground or ground myself in the day to day life of things. And I wasn't expecting that, you know, I wasn't like coming into it like I'm going to, you know, be suburban. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right. I'm going to yeah, method act no. the whole time. No, but, you know, when things happen like that, it's like what a what a gift. Yeah. What a what a total gift. Like, you know, the universe in this way is, is conspiring. It's giving you it's giving me tools that I can take from to right. uh to just find a new perspective that, that I might not have had. Yeah, that's really I the difference between mounting a play like that here or something and then doing it in Florida, I can imagine would be vastly different experiences and so useful to be able to bring that in to your own your own technique. Do you approach maybe initially every role in a similar way? Do you feel like you read a text and then follow similar pathways to get where you want to go? Or do you just, does something else happen? Like on the most rudimentary level, like sure, because it's like, you know, I get it. I'll usually read it like once and try really, really hard not to like have a super distinct opinion about it that I can't like shake off. Sure. But then it, I, 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 I think the, the, the real answer is no. It's like once you, I usually start with like just trying to figure out like just what is my character? Like what's his perspective on like whatever's going on and about life and, you know, how's his colon? I don't, I don't like, <laughs> what, but, but like, I mean, kind of like yeah, to a really. degree, it's like, you know, just I, I, I once I, I read it, I, I, I kind of try and just like, you know, figure out who that person is. And then it's about like, what's the tone? What's, what do we find in the rehearsal room? What do we, what are the things that I've missed? Like really making sure that any inspiration that I got from reading it or thinking about it isn't so defined or set in that something else can't come around that might alter that. And like, like that's the fun part. Cause you, we learned a lot of techniques at Lambda. Right. And I think, yeah, most modern acting trainings are an accumulation of many different techniques, all of which are awesome. Like I, I think, you know, Michael Chekhov has as much to say mm-hmm. as Meisner, as sure. Stanislavski, as, as whatever, right? As Strasberg. I mean, whatever it is that you follow or what you like, like all these things are just different ways in. Right. They're getting to the same place. Yeah. But yeah, I think like the character and 
the process, the tone, the people around you, that's what informs me. So yeah, that, that was an answer. I, that, that, that was <laughs> yeah, an answer. No, I'll, totally. I'll take, <laughs> I, cause I've, I've talked to some people. Um, and it, it seems especially at, at Lambda, you're totally right. We learned a whole bunch of different techniques with the name of the guy or the, the woman who sort of originated it. And we learned them all very specifically, but then we were encouraged to sort of work in whatever way. I met a lot of actors who were not as fortunate to get that sort of breadth of theatrical training and all these different techniques. So they're familiar with maybe one or two, you know, at their undergrad, they did Meisner and a little bit of Chekhov Mm -hmm. Um, at their, the studio they work at now it's strictly method whatever mm-hmm. it is and so then they're they use that as their way in and it's a very specific way in and i don't i have yet to decide whether that's a good thing or a bad thing i'm always envious of them because it's so clear what they have to do to get where they want to go they have you know you have step a you have step b you have step c and then if it mm-hmm. works great if it didn't work you have these other pathways that your training has given you and i feel like with us mm-hmm. having all of these different things, it can be kind of difficult to choose like what tool do I get out of the toolbox for this? I guess. Yeah. I mean, on, and I'm, I'm just speaking for myself, but like, (laughs) 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 Uh, like, I just want to make sure that I know, you know, exactly that, like, you know, there are technical things that you need to be exact about, right? Right. You need to find what, if you, you know, if you're working with any kind of physical, impairment or gestural language or whatever you know those things can be shifted but like you do eventually you know want to have a really solid foundation right on those things right um on the text like obviously like if you don't know what you're saying like don't don't tell me if you don't know yeah um as, as the audience but, but like whatever needs to be done for me to feel a really really like solid foundation mm-hmm. that i can then just be in that moment and exist as that person and, you know, allow my synapses to fire so that whatever's happening can happen. Like that's what matters, sure. you know? So it's, it's like, if, 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 you know, when I, I remember in college one time I, uh, I was playing Baloo the bear in jungle book. Um, and like, I was having a kind of a hard time. I felt like I, you know, it was sort of like a children's theater kind of style. Um, but I just thought that I was kind of playing at, I was being a little too like polite with it. Sure. And I, I didn't feel that I was giving the, the gruffness of the jungle for a children's show. As it's a, a tough, right. Tough it, line to walk there. But. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so I, um, I set up a can of sardines in a studio and I, I crawled around like a bear and, and then ate the can of sardines while pretending to be a bear. That's ridiculous. Right. I'm not going to do that. for, <laughs> for right. pa- Pablo doesn't need that probably in his suburban home. No, no, he doesn't. But that actually like, even though I felt like a total idiot and right. was like, what am I doing? It actually helped me so, so, so much, yeah. you know, with Pablo is like really making a point of like keeping my facial hair in a very particular way mm. and having like a ceremony of like being meticulous mm. with, with my grooming that, you know, that part of it really set me up for that day. Right. So I, I think it's like whatever. Yeah. It's like, I don't want to, I don't want to be limited in that way. Like, cause nobody wants to get stuck. No. And, and like, it's a subjective art form. It's not a science, you know, necessarily. Right. So like to treat it with that kind of rigidity 
while it can bring really great results, it's, it's just like kind of would also take some of the fun out of it for me. Right. So you're, you're, you're there for the exploration and you don't so much care how it happens as long as eventually you get to yeah, where fuck you yeah. want to go. Cool. Absolutely. So long as nobody's getting hurt and you're being like a good collaborator and a kind person. Sure. Right. right. You know. Right. Being a good castmate. Yeah. Do whatever you want. <laughs> I love that. So in pre-Lambda and I assume post Cornish, go hens. Uh, <laughs> go hens. You had a bunch of work at different theaters in Seattle. Um, there's stuff from the Seattle Shakespeare Company, Seattle Public Theater, Seattle Rep, Strawberry Theater Workshop. Is that in Seattle? Yeah, it is. <laughs> Strawberry. That's, and that's they're actually a really amazing company that have survived the pandemic. Oh, amazing. Um, and if, if any uh, of the listeners are ever in Seattle, I could not like, I just such a shout to that theater company. They do incredible work really incredible work all in studios um, amazing but yeah just some of my favorite shows i've ever seen in my life have been there very cool so all that all that work pre lambda and then in the last couple of years a good amount of work post lambda do you notice a big shift in how you used to work and how you work now did it change how you approached the role or did it just give you a better understanding of what you were doing or something else yeah, no, I guess both. I, it gave me a way bigger toolkit. I also felt like, um, and I, I'm sure, you know, th- there'll be some teachers who, who, who will hear this and, and get mad at me, but I did have to like unlearn a couple of things as mm. well, you know, when like Lambda is, has this incredible foundation in pure movement mm-hmm. and pure voice, mm-hmm. which are really wonderful things. And, and you know, part of pure movement right is the alexander technique and understanding you know how to be neutral in your body and that's that's a wonderful thing and also like if i'm watching a show and everybody's has a perfectly aligned spine i just i just don't right. buy that you know it's a bunch of truck drivers <laughs> like sure. whatever so you know taking some of the there is a way to do it out of it Mm. was really important because like whatever, again, like it's just back to like whatever that project is, whatever that character is, like that's what it needs to be. Right. Not whatever my idea of acting is or my idea of a great performance is or my idea of what's going to make me look good or cool or this casting director is going to like me if they see this show because I'm behaving in this way. Like like that that doesn't matter at all. So yeah, I mean, I learned so much. I got significantly better after Lambda. I I did. Um, Lambda helped me open my heart and my body and my voice um, in ways I hadn't known before. And like that, having that expanded of a toolkit of like knowing that my body can transform in this way, that it can be physically expressive in this way, that it doesn't need to be pared down to my taste. It can be authentic. It can be coming from a place of of inspiration and from the gut. Like that does take time and work. And that's one of the really beautiful things about that program is that that is instilled into you. Right. You spend so much time like, you know, crying because you didn't flick the air in, a, in an emotionally expressive enough way or whatever. But that's a, that's a real thing, y'all. That uh, that's a real experience. <laughs> uh, you know, Lobin, <laughs> shout out. Um, but but yeah, but you know, I am so so like so grateful for my time there because it really it just opened me up 
to be mm-hmm. able to do so much more and, and to allow for so much more. I think that's the biggest thing. It's like what I could allow for right. um, expanded, which sounds like quite esoteric, but it, it's, it's not. It's like we have the little voice in our head that always happens when we're performing, right? That, that guides us mm-hmm. and our performance when we're thinking, you know, no, no matter what we're going to, there's a little bit of us that's thinking about what we're doing right. when we're performing. You know, so often in life, though, yes, there's that. But sometimes things happen that break that social construct down. And then we are just behaving because we are motivated to behave for whatever reason that may be. And Lambda and the training we got there really highlighted that that can happen in a performance if you are allowing for your body to be free enough, for your voice to right. be free enough. Getting out of your own way a little bit. Yeah. And, and surprising yourself, you know, and then you can keep it if you liked it or, or don't if, if you don't. Right. But, you still have choice. Yeah. But yeah, that, that was really like a big, hmm. big, big takeaway from Landa is just connecting, you know, my thoughts with my emotions and with my body and then just working to be free enough within whatever construct we've created that I, I can still surprise myself and something really genuine can happen, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thanks, go, man. go Lambda. Yeah. They, they taught us well. We appreciate that. So what's next? What are you looking forward to? What, uh, <laughs> what, where do you want to go? What roles do you want? Who's, who are you hoping calls you yeah. tomorrow or this afternoon? Well, I really, I really, uh, I really want to work in film. Um, mm. that's, that's really just a big goal of mine. Sure. Um, whenever that happens, just cause I, you know, I want that experience and I think because, Pretty much all of my work. I've done a little bit, but pretty much all of my work has been in the theater. Yeah. I want the experience of of what of what that is like. But what's funny is that like I, I think I, I want it to be a film that also feels like theater where it's like, you know, you still have scenes where, you know yeah, you want the best of both worlds. Yeah, I yeah, I do, I do. I'm really uh, I'm really excited for um equitable and ethical agreements to <laughs> To be made, yeah. So, um, so that our industry can yeah. can begin to pick up again. Yeah, ready for the for the SAG strike at this point to end. Yeah, I mean, so like, let me ask you that question. Like, do you think about? Because I don't know if I do. I don't know if I like. Like sometimes I'll read a role and I'll go like, oh yeah, yeah. Like I I want to play this. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're I'm inspired by it. it. It connects with me. Right. But like, do you think about like, oh, I would love to play Iago, or I would love to play a uh villain in a yeah. whodunit you know like, yeah i would love to play a villain in a whodunit right so I, yeah, anybody's maybe. casting for that <laughs> <laughs> i'm here um yeah I, I there's definitely a handful of roles that i think i very much want to do partly just because there's a part of me that like i want to stand on a stage and say these lines i want to be john proctor at the end of two hours of the crucible and be able to say i can't do this because it's my name like i i think that would just be an incredible experience to go through for myself um let alone being a part of a show like that i think would be so cool but there are there are moments in in plenty of shows a lot of shakespeare you know i would i would do any of the i would do any shakespearean part ever Mm. which is maybe not a dream role so much as just a i want to work thing a lot of what i think about though and this is might not be the healthiest approach is instead of like this is what i really want to do i'm motivated more by like I hope to do this soon because if I don't, I might not be able to. Mm. If I, you know, if I don't play Hal mm. in Henry IV, yeah, I might not 
get a chance to because he's a young man. I am not Benjamin Button. I'm getting older. Right. Like <laughs> there, you know, there is a handful yeah. of people. Um, Surrey and McKellen just played Romeo at 82 or however old really? he is. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. It was a whole, uh, was it Romeo or was it Macbeth? I can't remember. I didn't see the show. It was on the West End. But regardless, Surrey and McKellen can do whatever he wants. Not being him, there's a little part of me that has this fear of like the ticking clock. Like, mm-hmm. I want to I want to play Hal. I want to play Romeo. I want to play whatever character it is who is generally it's an age thing, who's a younger man. Yeah. Um, and especially on stage, like those moments are moving away. I want to play Biff yeah. in... Um, uh, death of uh, a salesman yeah. and at a certain point i was gonna say how to succeed in business <laughs> i mean similar similar, similar shows <laughs> but yeah so definitely like things that i really want to play because they're beautiful also things that i want to have played you know i, I want to reach a certain point in my life and be like yes i have played all of these shakespearean or classical works as a young man, because I was appropriate for them then, um, I get and- I get haunted by by Shakespearean roles. Um, How do like, you mean? Like, um, like when I finish a like, like I'll just use real examples. Pablo in Native Gardens, right? Like, mm-hmm. I did that, you know, and, and maybe it's because it's so recent, but like I feel like I did that. I don't necessarily like. Would I do it again? I would love to. What a great role, right? But I'm also like, yeah, you know, I I did that. I'm sure there's things I you know, could have done better and, and I'm sure I could have gone deeper and et cetera. Right. But I, I do feel a sense of like, you know, not, not a, uh, like a, something that's quantitative or qualitative. I'm not like, Oh, I want to go back and, and do it better. But I'm like, no, I did that. I really felt like I gave myself to it. Um, and again, I'm, I'm sure there's things I would have done differently, right. but with Shakespearean roles, I'm like, oh man, like I need to play that again. You know, like I played Romeo when I was 20, 20, 21, and I did it for four months and it was awesome. And I, I had a, you know, a great team and it, it, was, it was, yeah. But I'm like, was this at Seattle Shakes? Uh, yeah, it was their educational touring production. Wow. So we went all across the state of Washington into Idaho. Oh, that's so cool. Played for different communities and a lot of schools. Four month tour is significant. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of time on the road. We all got pretty cranky at each other. I can imagine, <laughs> no. yeah. But they were, it, was, it was a lovely team. Um, <laughs> but that's like a role where I'm like, like, I'm like, I wish, I wish I could play it again now. Yeah. You know, because I, oh, I see this and that in it. And, and I didn't have that perspective that right. I have now. Or like, I just played Giacomo in um, mm. Cymbeline. And that's another one where I'm like, ah! <laughs> you know? <laughs> Wish I could have that back. Yeah. Wish I knew now what I didn't know then. And and I'm and I'm not and I'm not somebody who like I'm like oh like doing classical texts means more to me than doing modern texts mm. because yeah. it doesn't for sure. me it doesn't. But I do think there's something about Shakespeare and and some of those meaty roles where you're like there's just so much in there that like as my as I develop as a human being and my understandings and my perspectives change yeah. the idea that, that I could go back and do that again in a different way with my new perspective right that's like oh I'd love that you know uh but but that that only that that only happens if the stars align yeah it's a rare thing I was just having a conversation yesterday um with a director friend of mine Denitza who 
we as we were just chatting we sort of stumbled on this idea of like i am so grateful that we have shakespeare and the shakespearean canon as like almost like a i don't know how to like a guidepost or a, a, a yardstick over not just ourselves as actors but also like the basically the entirety of english theater english-speaking theater you know we can go back at any time and say here's romeo and juliet here's what it means for me at this part in my life for the world at this point in human history 20 years later here we go again i have that like the play hasn't changed we have the same text and i because it's so beautiful and you know the the immortal words for better or for worse but whatever it is and if it wasn't shakespeare maybe it would be something else but we have this like for the last 400 years, we've been performing these shows so we can see how that's a way to measure how the world has changed. Yeah. You know, yeah. Shakespeare will never fall out of fashion while we are alive. I mean, shouldn't that would be insane. And so I, I don't think it's going anywhere. Yeah. I, like, I'm, not, I'm not worried. I just didn't want to speak that into existence. There's um, enough of us. Um, enough of us. Yeah. You but know. like we can, we can use that as a yardstick for our own lives. You know, you played Romeo mm -hmm. at 21, like in 10 years if you got the chance to do it again, like what an amazing way to think like here where here's where I am now speaking the same words, doing the same show with whatever twists and turns and different stagings. Yeah. But we have that like we can connect that. It's not it's just comparing apples to apples. It's not apples to anything else. It is yeah. still the same words. And I, I love that we have that. Yeah, it's 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 yeah, I'm just going to sit in that thought for a minute. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. How, should we get a ten second pause? Ten second, right? Yeah, com <laughs> insert commercial break. Love that. Um, no, but yeah, it's it, it's it's so saturated, and it's and and how it's been studied, and and then yeah, when you do it, it it then also just it becomes so personal. Yeah, you know. Um, and I think it's like it's inherent that I think it's I think it's inherent. Are we as actors like when we when we play a role, right? We spend a lot of time with that character's perspectives and psyches um you know that takes up a big part of our day and we intentionally mm. put a lot of focus towards that and i think that inherently changes us yeah. and like that's one of the most beautiful i think parts of of choosing to pursue a career as an actor is is how those works of art go on to influence your life. And that's not something you set out to do. You set out to, to learn your lines and your character and do a show and, um, you know, do, do the, the, the basic demands of the job um, and then whatever else art, artistry you have and bring to that. But inherently that you leave slightly different. Mm. And I like, that is so, so cool that we get to experience that level of catharsis and self-inspection as, as often as we do yeah that's beautiful thanks man you're beautiful <laughs> thank you <laughs> we just have a couple minutes left here before we want to let everyone go in closing i like this question because i think it reveals a lot about people if uh -oh. you had never found arts or theater if you weren't a creative and actor what would you be what would you be doing i think if i didn't find the arts or theater acting I think I, and, and arts in general, right? Like, sure. No yeah. Art, yeah. Interpret that how you will, sure. but yeah. I don't know. You know, I, I, like I, the younger version of me thought I would have gone into political science and hmm. been some sort of an activist of some kind. But then the older version of me would probably just have been a cook. And then 
got tired of that because I didn't make enough money and the hours were too brutal. So then I would have been a bartender. But then I would have got tired of that because I had to talked to too many people. <laughs> and then I don't know, I would have go and chop wood and raise sheep. Hell yeah. That's probably... Live, live off the land. <laughs> Honestly. I mean, I don't know, but find some kind of way to make money where I could I can be peaceful and hang out with animals and have mountains around me and stuff. That sounds like a beautiful life. I, th- I think you can do that and act. I think we can make that happen. I I would love to get there. Right. <laughs> I, I'm going to live vicariously through you and pursue yeah. that goal. No, no. I, we're manifesting it, right? That's, that's right. That's, it's what hap- that's it's what happening here. Yeah. Uh, Marco Voli, thank you so much for joining us. It's here. also uh, just, it's Marco Adiak Voli. Marco, uh, that, that's right. Marco uh, Adiak Voli. The middle name is is, is is important to me just because it's, it's um, such a staple of my Nicaraguan side absolutely yeah. thank you for correcting me yeah no, no worries it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you thank you for joining us here on yeah. one hail of a conversation and <laughs> any parting wisdom you wish to leave our listeners with i don't know i love you man uh listeners uh have fun enjoy your lives <laughs> and there you have it thanks so much for listening um tune in next time as we continue our conversations uh have a wonderful rest of your day bye Thanks for listening. To learn more about any of the creatives who spoke in this episode, check out their social media links in the episode description.